Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of La Rouge Rugby Podcast where we focus on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've had the second round of MLR this season. We've also had the third round of the Six Nations. So a lot of rugby going on. I mean, it's good to be back into the full swing of things, isn't it? Yeah, there was even a like premiership in other games this weekend too, wasn't there? Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, so in the United Rugby Championship, I think. Oh, it was United like, Rugby Championship, yeah. Yeah, there's the exclusively South African games going on there, so... Yeah. Oh, exclusively South African games. Oh, okay, so there was that then, and then there was also um, the LA Sevens as well, right? So yeah. So uh, I mean, if you want to watch rugby, and I think um, like Super League started up. If you want a little bit of a different flavor of rugby as well, and then I think the N- NRL gets going this weekend. If you're in the league too, so yeah, and and Super I mean, Rugby down in the uh, Super Rugby down. Yes, that's here. that all started. You know, it, it honestly, it might be the uh, the best time of the year right now for rugby viewing, especially club rugby viewing. Well, I guess especially in North American viewing. Yeah, as well, it might be it might be the best uh, yeah. the best time of the year. Like you can yeah, literally, like once Super Rugby starts, it becomes that if I wake up at three a.m., I can do nothing but watch rugby until midnight. Yeah, <laughs> like, you could just you can just burn a hole in the couch. You know, it's a blizzard outside. You don't want to go out anyways. No. Nope. You know, just order some food, have some beers yeah, all day, like nice. all day rugby. So you can start at 3 a.m. It's the best yeah. time of the year. What better way yeah. to spend the weekend? Well, there may be a few better ways considering on uh, some of the results. I think it's time we got into the Arrows game, unfortunately. So, you know, the Arrows became the first team to go to Mount Vernon Memorial Stadium, the new home of the Rugby New York Ironworkers. And yeah, well, first of all, it didn't really go well. The final score, New York 39, Toronto 3. That was some uh, delightfully accurate analysis there, Stu. Yeah, the only score was a penalty from Kobe Faust. But yeah, it was, I think the first thing to point out was that uh, Sam Malcolm was on the injured list. In fact, the injured list is already pretty long for oh the goodness. second round of the season so nick ben will grant sam malcolm shane o'leary noel reed tyler roland and Corey thomas all unavailable for this game for injury related reasons uh i think shane o'leary was also a very late call as well so as a result we had the unlikely situation of having mitch richardson at uh 10 uh kieran breen at 15 and then on the bench, uh, the only backs that were available were Cole Brown and Avery Oiterman. So, uh, yeah, that was the lineup. We'll get onto that in a minute. Um, speaking of injury list, there was a nasty knock between Kieran Breen and Cole Davis. Uh, uh, Davis was removed from the field due to injury. We now have a press release from the Toronto Arrows saying that Toronto Arrows wing Cole Davis was transported to a local hospital for further evaluation following his injury during the first half of the game against New York. The Arrows are happy to report that after thorough assessment, Cole has been discharged from the hospital and is back with his teammates. Cole will travel back to Toronto with the team and will rest at home under the care and supervision of club medical staff. The club would like to thank the medical staff on site at Memorial Field and at the local hospital for their exceptional care. And, you know, when you see a big hit like that and you see like stretcher comes on, uh, the score doesn't really matter at that point. All you want to know is that... 
guys are safe, guys are okay, they're being treated well. Cole Davis has even uh, taken to Twitter to thank people for uh, sending him warm wishes. Uh, even Rugby New York has reached out and said, thinking of you as you recover, which is always great to hear and shows the camaraderie within rugby. You know, we're rivals, not enemies, which is always great. And yeah, it's a real benefit to see you. Um, but yeah, the uh, injury list prior to the game was bad. Wow. The injury list after the game looking pretty worse. And suffice to say, maybe it's for the best that the arrows are going <laughs> into a bye week. Yeah, that's week. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say too. It's um, I'm not a big fan of the early bye weeks and stuff, especially when uh, we're in a league now where the teams like we have an even number of teams so it's not like last year where somebody had to miss each week mm-hmm. so I, I kind of tend to maybe think we should maybe wait a little bit longer before start handing out bye weeks like um you know old glory in chicago had a bye week this week it's week two yeah that being said completely agree with you this might be a it might be a. It's like seems like a blessing in disguise because, as you kind of mentioned, right? Oideman and Brown were the only backs on the bench. They went with a um, six-two split on the bench, and really, if you look at the roster um, yeah. co- and compare and contrast to the injured list, they were really the only two options to put on the bench, right? Like, there's not like every back that was available was basically in this game. Um, Right, which obviously you know kind of affects other lineup area areas of the lineup too, um, depending on you know international slots and everything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, probably a, a blessing in disguise to get that to get the the bye week, not just because of the injury list though, but because I mean we'll get into uh, the actual game. It's the the performance in the game itself, but um, might be nice to get a little week off and regroup and uh, you know you know, rethink uh, attack plans and defense strategies and, um, you know, regroup, get a little breather, and then, uh, you know, try to bounce back after a tough start. There was a moment in that game, though, where the most important thing was just hopefully Cole Davis is okay. So, yeah. Um, but um, shall we get into uh, shall we get into the rest of the uh, – I hope everybody else is okay, too, by the way. Like, yeah. like you, nobody wants to see see this. And uh, yeah. obviously, it's a, it's a very – we all, we all know what the arrows went through last year, and it's obviously a very difficult start. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think uh, the first thing to keep in mind when you're talking about like the team before the game even began is it seems as though. Uh, so, I'd uh, been informed that Sam Malcolm was injured and wouldn't be uh, in the game anyway before the team yeah. list was announced. But the team list was also announced very last minute. I think it was like Saturday evening. So, it's not even. Um, you're publicly already, announced last minute. Yeah, so you've already passed the 24 hours, which is usually like the minimum window of announcing your team. So it seems to me as though Shane O'Leary was supposed to be in the starting lineup, but yeah. something must have happened, like, you know, must have tweaked something in the captain's run or, you know, just a culmination of things to come through. So I think that's why we had... You know, Richardson and Breen starting with only two backs available. Like, I know that we have the high-performance athletes and we have uh, Brennan Black, who's listed as a fullback and a winger. But if it's done within 24 hours before kickoff, it's not really possible to get him to come down as soon as possible, I believe. I think it's just, 
you yeah. know, out of the circumstances. And yeah, I think it was just, yeah, we we don't know the full details, unfortunately, at this point, but it does seem as though it was a last minute thing to come through. You know what, though? Uh, I, now that you're saying that, yeah, because if O'Leary started, that probably means Richardson would have been in uh, as a center, which means yeah. Goodall might have been off the bench. I wonder why that if that's why Goodall wasn't wearing a number. Oh, good, Goodall's too Goodall for numbers. Yeah, Goodall. Yeah, exactly. It's the second game in a row he hasn't worn a number, yeah. but um, I don't know. I wonder if that's like a oh, like because maybe they didn't have a maybe they didn't have a what did he play twelve? Maybe they didn't have a twelve yeah. jersey that fit him because he's he's a bit bigger than uh, Mitch Richardson, so maybe. Yeah. Well, no. maybe maybe that's also why they need the bye week just to get extra numbers in for Goodall <laughs> yeah. for his jersey. Yeah, we got to get good. Goodall's got to fly the uh, the tailor in from uh, um, you know, from overseas. So yeah. Uh, so as but this is uh something that yeah, I was we were talking about last week of saying like, oh, we'll have O'Leary start at ten and Malcolm at fifteen. Yeah. But this is something that needs to be highlighted. This may also go into explaining why the score was as one sided as it is. And that in the modern rugby game is that if there aren't any kickers, there's no attack. So yeah. the minimum the minimum number of kickers that should be in the starting fifteen are three. So you have the scrum half, the fly half, and the fullback. And you know, maybe a center can be like a kicker as well. For example, Owen Farrell for England occasionally starts at 12 and he's a kicking option as well. So, you know, the more kickers available, the more attacking options you have. So in the ideal, perfect starting lineup for the Arrows, everyone's healthy, everyone's good to go 100%. You'd probably have Brody at nine at scrum half, O'Leary as uh, fly half, Malcolm as fullback. Yeah. But two of those guys are injured. and. So therefore, the only regular kicker you have is Brody. Now, again, Richardson, uh, Breen, Faust, they were there, but they just... So Richardson, while he has played at 10 before, hasn't been at the pro level. I think um, we had like Will Kelly saying that... Will Kelly and Sean Windsor, both on Twitter, saying like, you know, he does have kicking capabilities. And Jamie McKenzie as well. Uh, Yeah, so a lot of uh, guys saying... um, no, Richardson can kick, and he has been yep. uh, a fly half back in like 2019, I believe they said. Yeah. So, but even then, that's three seasons of Richardson playing as like a center or a winger, not responsible for the kicking duties. And again, we're not the coaches. We don't know what he does under the coach's watch, if he does do kicks or not. But as was shown in the game, he just hasn't had as much time as definitely Brody and certainly Malcolm of kicking under uh, professional conditions. Uh, Faust, you know, he stepped up to do the uh, kicks uh, goal. He's done that for like the Canada under twenties as well. So that's, you know, that was good, but there just wasn't, like I say, the level of being a regular kicker at pro level. You know, maybe it's something that, you know, he can be asking the coaches um, during off, not off season, during the uh, bye week and during uh, the regular season, just to have that other skill in his arsenal. But you have the arrows going from attack plan of having three kickers available minimum to one. Now, let's contrast that with New York. So New York had Buckley at scrum half. They had 
Sam Windsor at fly half and Jack Hyten at fullback. Well, we all know how good Sam Windsor is. In this game, he became the first point scorer in MLR history to pass 500 points. So clearly he's very versatile with the boot. Likewise, Jack Hyten has moved from uh, fly half to full back and vice versa, depending on who's available or not. So that's another kicking option. And then obviously you have Buckley, who is like Brody, doing like box kicks, finding space to go. So you have a team with essentially minimal attacking options, one or two, against a team with three seasoned guys in the position. Those guys are going to kick the ball over the defensive line, find that space, get that attack sorted, and get the tries. And that is what happened. So, I mean, it is oh. disappointing. To be honest, as soon as that um, team list came up, I knew that it was going to be a very tough game for the Arrows. Um, and yeah, by all means, credit to Richardson, credit to Breen Faust. They're the guys that put their hands up. They said, we're going to do this. We're, you know, they understood they're not the first choice for kickers. But, you know, credit where it's due. They knew the situation they were under. They stepped up. And, you know, i got to respect that. That's fantastic of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, tough circumstances. Like you just kind of said, right, it's a Richardson's first pro game at fly half, and his opposite number is, you know, the all-time leading scorer in Major League yeah. Rugby, right? It's a... You know, and not not only that too. It's like you're you're on a back line with a brand new center combination that hasn't played a game as as arrows together. Um, and then you also have you have a fullback in his second game in Major League Rugby, um, and you got like you know the I guess one winger and your scrum half you probably played with last year, and then the other wingers you. Um, uh, was acquired this off season. So ve- again, like what we were talking about last week, very it's a new team, right? And yeah. a lot, uh, a lot that has to still be figured out. And part of that is still going to be like figuring out where guys fit in best, especially those guys that can play multiple positions. Um, to your point with um some of the kicking, I think Richardson might have maybe kicked too often in this mm. game a little bit. Um. You know, uh, just because it seemed like there there was a a, f- a few times where it was just he got the ball as as that first option, then tried to um you know kick the space and you know um his kicks had a varying level of success. Some of them worked, some of them obviously didn't. But I think like when you have like like you kind of said right, like you 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 don't really want to get into the kicking battle and stuff with New York and even like Andrew Cole was running some really good counter attacks yeah and you know had some good kickbacks himself as well right but it's like you have these two like huge centers and like one guy's like a rugby league guy so you know like that's where you know that crash ball style is what they mm-hmm. want right and you know maybe maybe try to get the ball to them uh, a little bit more i think i would have liked to see in this game because again, like I think right now, where it's where I'm kind of at right now on uh, is my biggest concern with this team. Maybe other than the injury situation, my biggest concern with this team right now is the fact that they've scored 13 total points and one try in the first two games of the season. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, like yeah, that. That is a big concern to have. Yeah, exactly. It goes completely against Dan's prediction that they're going to be the highest scoring team in the league. Um, But it's... So that's right now is my biggest concern because like, you know, in 
as we kind of talked about last week against Atlanta, I don't think they the attack looked dangerous at all until O'Leary came in. Yeah. Right? And then it started to pick up pace. They had multiple options. There was obviously a brilliant try that was scored. And here it was like, I think, mean, you know, part of it though, too, right? Credit to the Iron Workers defense. Um, you know, there was a, there was a lot of guys um like Wengluski um Brakely O'Connor like there was a lot of guys doing like wonders defensively for this for New York yeah. in this game but if you kind of take the attack and it's like there's really no point in the game where they ever look threatening at all right mm-hmm. um cuz it was either they kicked the ball away or you know Turnovers would happen, handling airs, knock-ons, um, a couple breakdown steals from guys like O'Connor yeah. uh, or counter rucks. And they never really looked dangerous, maybe outside of that one play at the end of the game where Faust um, nearly scored, but Tucker kind of got a piece of him at the end and he couldn't quite stick the grounding. But other than that, the attack just, um, again, for like the second week in a row, there's there didn't feel like there was too much there's too much there and i think that's that right now is my biggest concern with the team and then obviously like that concern is also there's a lot of backs on the the injured list now as well too right so it's um hopefully some of those guys get back i don't know if we've really seen i don't think through the first two games i don't think we've seen like if you were to make like your ideal there's no injuries. There's no outside circumstances preventing guys from playing your yeah. ideal arrows lineup. I don't think we've seen that yet. No, we. That's the thing but, because like, because of those injuries, we have because yeah. it's injured. I don't want to say the most important players because that's obviously a player doesn't make a team, but that it's the kickers. It's the guys who are supposed to be leading the attack. And when you have like the old fuddy duddies of like, ah, oh, you got to keep the ball in hand and pass it out to the wings. Well, that's what the arrows did. And it, like, look at the scoreboard that clearly yeah. is more to it than just keeping the ball in no. hand. And, um, but you know, I think we've, uh, talked about like the negative side of it as in, like, oh positives. yeah, the arrow, the arrows only scored three yeah. points. I think it's time we should look at the other positives of the game. So one name, positives. yeah, there, there were positives. Uh, I got to say, um, Avery Oiterman coming into the game obviously much earlier than intended, but you know he had some extraordinary moments. Um, Two you know, track savers, yeah, an amazing run to get the uh, to avoid a try. Um, you know, just. Uh, I think, yeah, Dan was saying that, you know, he's obviously beefed up since uh, 2019, got a bit of muscle on him, but he doesn't seem to have sacrificed uh, any speed or agility whatsoever. So, yeah, that was that was great to see as well. It's good to, you know, he's obviously been out of the sport for a few years now, but he that doesn't mean he hasn't been like training and getting ready to come back. So that was great to see. Uh, Ramon. Ayaza was yes. a beast. Absolutely yeah. fantastic to see. The Arrows reported that he was, uh, let me get the right that. Um, the most ball carries, the most carry meters, the most defenders beaten, the most offloads in the game. And he came on in the second half off the bench. 42nd minute. So we played pretty much the entire second half. But yeah. But yeah, so yeah, th- 38 minutes and he. Puts those numbers in. That's pretty damn good, in my opinion. Um, 
but yeah it's like so that's what i'm saying like it's a lot of negativity obviously it's like we're two games now only one match point total but consider this time last season the arrows were zero for two and had no points whatsoever and then they had their game against dc and were able to get their first win under the belt but uh yeah it's uh obviously a lot to say of uh New York, um, like you said, Andrew Coe had a fantastic game. Yeah, he was the only Canadian that uh, played exceptionally well in that game. Was unfortunately playing for the other team from the Arrows, which was, you know, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I think I think there are some good things to point at this team and be like this. There are flashes where we can see the arrows of old the arrows who can you know challenge to make the playoffs and reach it um obviously not the best start then again no. could be worse as i look at noel the gold um yeah that's an interesting team right now too yeah we'll get onto them later but uh yeah i think i think there's obvi- it's easy to focus on the negatives there are positives in this game however few you may seem to find and yeah. i think the bye week will hopefully get guys rested get them recovered and by the time we get to week four at SeatGeek stadium we can hopefully see the team that has their backs healthy and therefore has a proper attacking structure ready to go to really give uh the chicago hounds a warm welcome to uh major league rugby yeah, that's uh I think that's all we can hope for. Um I think um I, I love your your assessment as two of the positives of the game being Avery Oideman and uh Romo and Ayarza. Um they were they were both incredible coming on um you know in in off the bench there. I think Ayarza probably earned a chance to start in a game. Mm-hmm. He's been um like Gene Simintin, I think, has been good, but like the impact that Arza made in the second half, I think, could warrant, you know, uh, you know, if the Arrows didn't have a bye week this week, I would say he should definitely play the next game. Um, who knows what's going to happen over the bye week and like, you know, how training camp looks and Pete Smith's going to be able to evaluate that um, or not training camp practice. But um, the other the one player that you didn't shout out that I think um, is worth a mention, or I guess, too. As I said, Kobe Faust, I mean, score. I thought he played really well outside of obviously scoring the um, the only three points of the game and nearly scoring a try. But also, I think Mason Flash for the second game in a row is one of Toronto's better forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot, you know, like another game having a lot of tackles. He's really involved at the breakdown. Um, he's a very physical player, so that's nice to see, especially after, um, you know, Corey Thomas and Mike Shepard uh, uh, kept hyping him up a little bit when we were interviewing him, uh, them before the season started. Uh, Mitch Eady, I thought was pretty good in his uh, in his first MLR game too. Um, he had some nice ball carries, uh, ball carries as well. I mean, I'll go, I'll echo what you said to just to close this out, and then we can maybe segue to the other Canadians. But yeah, Andrew Coe was incredible, um, probably the best Canadian performance of the entire week across the league. You know, he's uh, he just he just does everything so well. He's like an unreal ball carrier, especially when counterattacking. Um, defensively, he's really good. He made some nice tackles. He's really, really getting good at timing that intercept run. 
Yeah. Um, right. That he nearly set up a try toward the end of the game that previously mentioned Oideman try saving tackle prevented. Um, so there's some class Canadian wingers on display there going both ways, showing off their defensive ability. But it's um yeah, Cole, Cole was just outstanding and it's a you know a good start for the season for him he's one of uh through the first two games one of the league's leading uh like uh one of the league leaders in uh, meters carried already so um hopefully that's a trend that continues for uh for the rest of for the rest of the year yeah all right that wasn't the only mlr game that happened this weekend that all began on friday night and Seattle hosted ATL. And, you know, it looks like the Seawolves definitely back. Great defensive efforts and, uh, you know, tries are plenty from both sides. A real close encounter. The final score, Seattle 28, Atlanta 22. Then we move into Utah, where they had their home opener with beautiful, picturesque uh, mountains behind Zions Bank Stadium. And, uh, you know, considering the last time Dallas visited Utah, it was a... Uh, <laughs> Far worse affair than this. Uh, final score, Utah 33, Dallas 25. Then, speaking of one Texan team, we're moving on to the other one. Houston uh, hosted Nola in their uh, home opener of the season. And, yeah, it looks like the Sabercats are ready to pounce, ready to continue how they finished off the end of last season as well. Um, absolutely wiping the floor Nola, uh, the final score, Houston 35, Nola 14. And we conclude the round in San Diego back at Snapdragon Stadium, looking as beautiful as it was last week. And, you know, it looks like uh, the Legion of old, the Legion of uh, 2020 uh, is back in full swing. Um, New England, uh, unable to capitalize on uh, try scoring opportunities, point scoring moments. Uh, San Diego just too quick, just too fast for them. Final score, San Diego 29, New England 12. So, Derek, were there any uh, Canadian performances from those games that really stood out for you? Yeah, there's a there's a couple. Um, I, I think right now I'm, I know, you know, this was one. This was a terrible week for the official Rouge rugby theory that the more Canadians you have in your lineup means you're going to win. Yeah. Um, um, the top three teams in the league with the most Canadians, Toronto, New England, and Dallas, all lost. Um, so that was a rough go. Um, Dallas, though, I do find is is a bit of a low key, like fascinating team to kind of watch as a you know as a Canadian fan because obviously they have three Canadian front and row players that are all you know that are all incredibly young and. Being on Dallas is probably really good for them because they might not be able to start games on other MLR teams. Yeah. And, you know, it's so it's nice to see Murray and Kotze getting, you know, back to back starts playing the vast majority of the game as well. Right. Um, Kotze had a great run in the build up to a Juan Pablo Zeiss try as well. Um, so it's and you know they they look like they're uh, they're handling themselves well at the scrum. They're doing well, you know they're doing well at the lineout. Kotze's you know hitting his throws. Murray you know lifts are going well. Um, the scrum Dallas scrums looking pretty good. You know so that's that's kind of an a bit of a like low key kind of fun exciting team to kind of keep an eye on from a Canadian point of view. I think um, just because it's it's 
you know, even with uh, Kyle Steves coming off the bench, it's three, three young Canadians kind of getting a getting a shot to uh, lead the charge for one of their MLR teams. Um, Dallas, you know, obviously, you know, 0-2, so they're 0-18 in their franchise now. Um, this game, they looked a lot better, uh, certainly yeah. a lot better than last week. I think beyond their Canadians too, like Sam Gola, the number one pick in the draft last year, um, is looking really good for them. And he's, that guy is making a ton of tackles. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, he seems to be playing very well. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're the, you're the number one overall pick, um, which means you go to the worst team in the league. Right. So, um, that's, you know, how that kind of works. Right. So, uh, he's, he's, he's looking pretty good on Dallas. Um, and then there was obviously from this game, um, I know Utah won and I'm not talking about Utah at all, but, um, Naposki had the best try of the game too. That mm-hmm. step. Um, yeah, can't remember which defender that was, but just spin cycled them. That was unreal. Yeah, you know, Dallas. I mean, I hope they get a win soon. I do. That was my uh, outlandish <laughs> theory of this. Uh, yeah, opening four rounds is that they yeah. get it. But it's, even if they don't, I want them to get a win sooner rather than later because they definitely are knocking at the door. They're definitely more yeah. of a um, competitive threat compared to last year, which I know yeah. was inundated with visa issues and a massive yeah. injury that came out of nowhere for a number of teammates. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing what they could do. Um, so my game of the week uh, may be biased because of the location, but San Diego versus New England. Yeah. Uh, you have, you know, Sears Duru and Jason Higgins coming on around about like the hour mark, by which point, the game's already won. It's already twenty-two-seven at this point. But yeah. you know, keeping the keeping the Pistons going, keeping the uh, possession, and uh, stepping into like New England territory. And it was eventually Nate Olsberger getting the final try uh, deep into the red to get San Diego the, bo- the bonus, the bonus point. Um, but then again, you also had. Uh, New England, um, you know, fine spell Canadians, uh, Foster DeWitt uh, coming on for um, around about the 50. No, there seemed to be like the front row changes all happened at the 50 minute mark. With Foster DeWitt coming on, Andrew Quatron yeah. coming on, Cole Keith coming off, which was, you know, j- just let them have like a full Canadian <laughs> front row for like one scrum and see how well it dominates and then you know the entire league will be doing it yeah. we, um, maybe they'll do it when they play dallas we'll get the uh the six canadian front rowers head oh that would be nice to watch um ben lesage getting his first uh start in uh mlr 2023 not first start it's first time on the pitch replacing yeah. spencer jones again at the 50 minute mark seems uh a lot of uh, New England changes around 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> they were losing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, I, I get they were losing, but uh, yeah. Well, they, yeah, this would have been just after um, Henderson's try. So, yeah, okay, okay, I can understand it. But uh, so I think it was like a total of six players got replaced in the 50 minute mark of Lincoln Eck. Um, but yeah, Josh Larson, Connor Keynes, they did the uh, full 80. Um, so, you know, it's, so whilst uh, they are on the right track of ha- becoming Canada South, you know, they just need a bit more um, cohesion, time together. Again, that Canadian front row 
once it's in place, demolishes uh, every other team except the arrows in the league. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, that's just it's just science. You need to do it to fully yeah. understand it. So, until you prove me wrong, I'm correct. That's how it works. Um, but yeah, uh, special mention as well to Andrew Quatran, who the league acknowledge has received his fiftieth cap. Uh, so, forty-eight of them came with the arrows. The final two coming with New England and by coming onto the pitch as substitution uh, becomes one of the latest in the long line. And I believe the second Canadian to... Yes, the it's uh, Paul Cellini. Yeah, got, Paul Cellini. is 50th in the last game of the season last year. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Shepard, I believe, is two games away. One, Yeah, two games away from hitting his... His fifty as well, yeah. So well, I think he's going to be the. I think he's going to be the next Canadian that does it. Yeah, well, that'd well, be good to see. But yeah. obviously, it's that when these, uh, when the guys finally uh, come to Toronto, whether it's um, Arrows players or former Arrows players, um, yeah. then hopefully they can be acknowledged for uh, their number of caps that they received under um, the banner of the Toronto Arrows, and I'm sure all the fans. We'll be uh, willing to cheer yeah. that on. Uh, speaking of MLR, there seems to be a change at the, at the top. Uh, press release that came out on uh, February 24th is that the league commissioner, George Killebrew, was stepped down as uh, commissioner, having served the role since 2019 uh, and is to be replaced by... Uh, Nick Benson, formerly of the Utah Warriors backroom staff, who has, instead of becoming the commissioner, has become CEO. Um, so in the press release, uh, they mentioned that under Killebrew's leadership, MLR has grown with the addition of Chicago and, as was announced, the Miami Sharks for 2024. Um, he's also been instrumental in leading the campaign to bring the 2031 Men's World Cup and the 2033 Women's uh, World Cup to the United States. Um, there's also been the Rugby Network has been launched under his uh, commissionership. Is that a word? Or did I just make that up? You could probably just say leadership. Yeah, under his that's, leadership. That's, that, that's a word, commissionership. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. Yeah. But... Um, so, and it also says that uh, he Killebrew leaves the league in an excellent position for continued growth in stadium attendance has doubled in recent years with 75,000 new fans enjoying the action in person in 2022. The rugby network viewership has grown 144% year over year. League-wide sponsorship have increased by seven figures and the Fox viewership spiked 62% in 2022. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously you when you leave a position, you want to leave the sport in a better place than you found it. And mm -hmm. You know, especially with the um, uh, global pandemic shutting everything down, it would be very easy to like rest on your laurels, keep play it safe. But you know, I think the rugby network is probably the best addition yeah. that North American rugby could have ever had. Um, you know, obviously, there's been the issues with Austin and LA and their departures from the league, but it looks as though that. You know, the sport is still growing in certain cities. There's always the chance that LA and Austin can return under different banners. And yeah, I've got to thank 
uh, George Killebrew for everything he's done for the league. Wish him all the best in his next steps and say that uh, Nick Benson definitely has uh, some big shoes to fill. But I'm looking forward to see what he does going forward as the new CEO of MLR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, definitely a a big change, um, you know, coming just kind of as the season begins here. Um, it's great that, you know, Benson being a guy that, you know, used to work uh, within the Utah Warriors organization. So um, that's obviously really, I think that's really key to me is like, you know, get, get somebody that understands the league or understands how the teams in the league are going to operate, um, you know, to have them come in and, you know, build off of the work that um, George Killebrew you know, began. Um, I, I agree with you. I think like the rugby network being a thing that um, I guess was was created um, under Killebrew, or you know, how um, is easily the best thing that he did. But um, I, w- I do wonder based on timing, like because obviously the last really major news story um, in this league in the off season was obviously you know the uh, the Gill team's departure. And, uh, you know, prior to that, the disqualification and um, all the uh, the craziness and madness that ensued based on that. Right. So, you know, a bit of a wild, um, you know, I guess if you're thinking about the last thing Killebrew did, I guess it's going to be a little bit related to that. And maybe a couple sponsorship deals that got inked before the uh, the season starts. But, um, you know, overall, probably overall, like, you know. I thought it was pretty solid. He did some funny things. He had a, I do fondly remember that video of him and Marty Turco drinking a bunch of team sponsored beers together. So um, that um, should be part of the George Killebrew highlight reel legacy mm-hmm. of MLR when he gets the, uh, I guess, I guess commissioners aren't going to get video tributes like former players do, but uh, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. There'll be articles written about him in the show. Yeah. There'll be uh, lots of positive things to say about him. So again, Thank you, George, and wishing you all the best going forward. Now, we're going to stay in North America, but we're moving to a different form of rugby. We're going to the Sevens because it is the first of the World Seven Series double headers coming up. And we start off in Los Angeles, in a city known for its uh, warm weather and dry, beautiful sunshine. Uh, There's a lot of rain and thunderstorms going on. So... That was fun. Where, as we all know, it uh, Canada is still um, plugging away, and you know it seems like every pool that uh, Canada gets is always a tough pool, and I think that says more about the Canada team or the other sevens teams. I'm not really entirely sure, but uh, opening game was against the Blitzbox. Okay, it's definitely the other teams. They're just <laughs> really good. Um, Opening with a 12 nil loss to South Africa, and that was followed by another uh, zeroed loss, this time 22 nil to Ireland, but concluded with a 26-10 win over Uruguay, which put them in the quarterfinals for ninth place. So in the knockout stages, they started off with a 12-5 win over Kenya before falling 17-12 in a loss to Spain. Uh now, there isn't really a playoff uh, match for 11th place, but considering that Uruguay got absolutely demolished, I'm saying that <laughs> Canada finished 11th. Yeah. 
So that currently puts them 14th in the standings. Now, as we said a while back, um, the standings in place have uh, 12th, 13th and 14th in a playoff pool with the winner of the um, World 7's Challenger Series. So they're currently a safe place from 15th and definite elimination, which is currently held by Japan. But they are only 10 points from safety. With the calendar sevens coming up, it's not the only sevens tournament before uh, the finals in France, I believe. France or London. It's one of the two. I so, apologize. I can't uh, remember at the moment. Just say uh, Europe. In Yeah. Before the uh, final stage in Europe. So there's another seven series in Hong Kong. I believe there's another one in Singapore. And then two final ones in Europe. But obviously now is the ideal time to start getting a few more wins, especially in the pool stage, to push them into the um, quarterfinals for the cup final and therefore, you know, guarantee them more points. But, you know, it's a it's a tough task, obviously, with the, the pools being drawn and who they'll have to face. Um, but yeah, obviously just need to be getting a few more wins early on. We'll be helping them out uh, further down the line. Good chance to do that too. Big, uh, you know, obviously the home tournament coming up this weekend, right? So yeah, Vancouver so, Sevens, like no. Well, well you say that. Did you see how the USA did? That talk about fall from grace. I think yeah, they I, finished. I, I don't care about them. I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, but it was their home tournament. That's yeah, I, mean. I know that sucks. Um, yeah, that, that's never, what I mean. As in- you never want to. Uh, yeah, I know. All jokes. All jokes aside, man, you do like it's. It is the USA Sevens team is obviously has been one of the better teams on the tour for a while. So it's a. Uh, that's tough to see. Uh, see the performance that they had in the, their own tournament, but um, it's uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Vancouver will be rocking next week yeah. and uh, can uh, you know, maybe uh. How are the boys through a you know in uh to you know a solid finish? Hopefully a series win. We haven't had a series dub in a or a no. stock dub in a while. So um, that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, while we're waiting on that, we are going to have our predictions for round three of MLR. Now there's no arrows game coming up, but they are on a buy along with New England. But we do have five games coming up. The first of which is Dallas versus Seattle. Derek, who have you got? Well, all right. I'm starting to like your prediction more and more, and I just spent uh, a few minutes talking about some things I like about Dallas. The arrows are on a bye week, so if Dallas wins, I do have a Jackals hat, and uh, if Dallas wins, I fully plan on wearing it on the episode next week, but they have to win. All right. It's a comfy hat, though, so I'm going to cheer for that to happen. So, Jack, let's go Dallas. First up. Okay. I will go for Seattle. Probably the smart decision. Probably it possibly game. is, but this will be their first game uh, away from home this season. So having to make the maybe, trek down. Maybe the, maybe the football lines will throw some guys off. Yeah, maybe a bit. But I'm in the twilight. No, no, no. no, that's, no that, that's a yard line. Completely different. It threw yeah. off, uh, who was it, Grassman from Houston, the first yeah. game, like grounded the ball like a few meters shy. Saw the wrong line. Yeah. It's nice. trippy. It is. Next up, we have Atlanta versus NOLA, so an all-Eastern affair. I am going to go with... I know I know. I went with the away team, but I'm going to be going with the home team for this one. I will be going with Atlanta. 
Yeah, um, I think I'm going to take Nola in this one because I think Nola has to win this game. Nola was a team that a lot of people, including us, I think we're pegging to be like around the playoffs, you Mm -hmm. know, um, or in the playoffs. And they've started, everyone's talking about how much improved they are. And they started 0-2. They played really good teams in New England and Houston, two teams that, again, that are maybe positioned to be at the top of their conference. Yeah. Uh, predictions. Um, so Atlanta's had a bit of a tough, or Nola's had a bit of a tough schedule to start, um, but they need a win. I don't think if they, if they go own three, I'm not sure what the, uh, the confidence level of that squad is, is going to be um, going forward. So I, th- I think they need the win. So I'll take them to actually come away with the win as well. Okay. And for the third game, we are going to seat geek stadium for the first time in MLR history as Chicago will be hosting the Utah Warriors. Who have you got for that one, Derek? Um, Interesting, I think, coming off a bye week. Chicago didn't look very good against D.C., though. But, you know, first game at home, I'll give uh, I'll give them the uh, the cool, it's your first game at home um, bump. So I'll go, I'll go with Chicago this week. Um, yeah, I, well, I don't know what the weather will be like in Chicago on Saturday, but... Uh... Quite windy. Probably windy, yeah, windy city, but probably a bit of chill. But you know, uh, a place that had chill uh, last round was uh, Salt Lake City and uh, Zions Bank Stadium. They even had volunteers shoveling the snow off the pitch prior to the game. So I don't know. I think uh, Utah have a bit of experience with this cold weather. So, you know, I'll give the cap to that. I'll say Utah. Nice. Big battle between New York. And DC, DC coming off their bye, New York with a bit of momentum with that win over the Arrows. Who have you got, Derek? Ah, uh, man, I think New York. Uh, well, I think New York looked really good against Toronto this past week. DC, um, maybe it was looked like the best team in Week One though, so it's very interesting. Um, I think though, I'm going to stick with New York for this. Um, one. um all right, well. Yeah, that's uh, fair enough. I think, yeah, again, I agree with you. I th- I don't think we should be having buys in like the second week of uh, the tournament, especially when you have an even <laughs> number of teams. Um, but just... DC were incredibly impressive, uh, great flowing rugby. Um, and you know what? Just because we've uh, picked other teams so far, this game, I'm going to go with DC. And we come to our final game, and it is all in the West, as Houston will host San Diego. So, two of the uh, stronger teams, both yeah. on a 2-0. Someone's going to be uh, not getting one in the win column. So, Houston to host. Mm. And I am going to say that the team that is probably got a bit of an edge has been just more dominant maybe played more high level teams i'd say is san diego so i think the momentum should be with them even though it's an away game i will be going with a legion and picking san diego Ooh, yeah uh san diego has looked good their defense looked good they're attacking their attack looks really good i think nanu has maybe looked the best that He's looked all year, or like in his not all year, but in his MLR career. 
but I think Houston has, you know, Houston being at home, that's they're usually very good at home. Um, I think they've a lot of their new acquisitions have been uh have been shining early this year. Drew Wild, their new fullback looks really good. Um, Danny Barrett seems to be at the top of his game. So I think I'll uh I think I'm gonna go with Houston. All right. And so I was gonna say one of us is gonna have a good week, one of us is gonna have a bad week, man. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We may get a two-three split. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But it's gonna be a great weekend of rugby, and I can't wait to watch it. And if you would like to watch any of the MLR games, because the arrows aren't playing this week, that means there won't be any games on TSN. So all the games will be available on the rugby network. And as we mentioned, the World 7 Series will be returning to Vancouver for the Canada leg, and you can find that on CBC and CBC Gem. And if you want to catch any of the rugby that's going on in Europe, the Six Nations is off this weekend, but Premiership and URC action will continue on Sportsnet. So again, World 7 Series on CBC, the Premiership and URC on Sportsnet, and the MLR games will be on the Rugby Network. So if you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out more episodes as well as written pieces on our brand new website, therougerugby.ca. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel at The Rouge Rugby with episodes of the podcast as well as extra interviews with players and coaches. Make sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell notification to stay up to date with all of our videos. We are also available across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, all at the Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people find you on social media? Uh, at Brissette the Jet on pretty much all social media networks. And you can find me across social media at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, that's where we're going to end this episode. Derek, thank you for joining me once more. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast, where we focus on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.